Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So Melissa Barclay, the late great comedian Robin Williams, always had a saying. It was that cocaine was God's way of telling you that you had too much money. You know, if you, <laughs> oh, yes. I, I've got another mm. example of that. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Here is another example of God's way of telling you that you have too much money. Um, there is this Brooklyn company. Um, they, they call themselves Mischief, M-S-C-H-F. Okay, that's what the company is. And in partnership with a rapper, Little Nas X, what they did is they took a bunch of, of Nike tennis shoes. These were like one of the, the styles that Nike had, um, Nike Air Max 97 sneakers. So these are tennis shoes. And what they did is they produced 666 pairs of these shoes. They called them Satan shoes, and they put like a pentagram on there, and get this, a drop of blood from every from one of their employees. They put a drop of blood that was incorporated into the air bubble on the Nike sneaker, and they started selling these things online for $1,018. And they did this in conjunction with, um, apparently the, the rapper had just come out with uh, something where he's, He's uh, in in a music video. He's wearing these knockoff shoes and he's dancing on Satan's lap. So they, they sell these things for a thousand bucks. All right, they sell out in like three minutes. Okay, so they produce this, and then what happens is people go on eBay and start reselling them, and these things were reselling for five to ten thousand dollars a pair. Unbelievable! I, who would wear Satan shoes? Satan shoes. Right, with, with, with some employee, <laughs> I don't know. with some employee, a drop of the employee's blood in the air bubble. And, and right, who would wear that in the first place? Much less who would pay $1,000, yes. much less who would pay five or $10,000. Yes, or who would agree to put their drop of blood in these shoes? Well, that There's would, a lot of questions right, here. Right, that, that, that would be another thing. Management comes around and says, hey, we've got <laughs> hey, this. Hey, Kyle. New, we, yeah, well, Kyle, we've got, <laughs> right, hey, Gru, we've got this new promotional idea. And here what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to have like bobbleheads of the different personalities. And, and we want. <laughs> We we want you to donate a vial of blood because we're going to drop a. <laughs> who uh, would buy no. it? Okay, but well, well, here's so here here's why this is a story, and again, I've, I've got a link to it. Um, so Nike, now these are Nike shoes. Nike has the same reaction that you and I had, which is these are our shoes, and you know we've got copyrights and stuff, and we don't want people buying these shoes and putting a pentagram on them and calling them Satan shoes and putting a drop of blood in our air bubble and then selling these these things. So Nike sues, saying, "Hey, you've you know this is this is copyright infringement." And the reason this is in the news is apparently it, it's there's been a settlement where the company agrees that they will offer refunds. Who um, to people who want to return the sneakers under the terms of the settlement, and that they'll do a voluntarily voluntary recall. Nike wants to get them out of circulation, but what they're saying is that these these crazy people that that bought this stuff on eBay, they're they're probably not going. Nobody's going to take advantage of this. Nobody's going to send them back. They're just going to they're going to keep them. Well, apparently this happens a lot with certain brands, but I think just you or me looking at this shoe, we think it's a Nike shoe. We think that Nike is selling the shoe. 
And then to find out this isn't Nike selling the shoe. This is someone taking a Nike shoe and putting their own whatever it is on right. it and right. then selling it. Right. But again, if, if you're wondering the definition of God's way of telling you that you have too much money, it's if you can spend a minimum of $1,000 on a knockoff Nike pair of tennis shoes called Satan shoes with, somebody's dro- with a drop of somebody's blood in them. Just saying. New standard there. Okay. Let us get started. I, my problem over the course of the last year has been we, we've been told, follow the science. We, we have to do this. Follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. And that's been the justification for one restriction after another. Now, I understand science changes. For example, in beginning when COVID first came out, they, they said you don't need to wear masks because they didn't think there was any likelihood of, of, of it being transmitted. And, and they, they determined after a month or two that they were wrong. The science changed. I understand that that happens. And so that's why you have the mask rules that are in place. There is one aspect of the science that, though, has been known for a year that really has not changed. And yet we have been doing unnecessary stuff that's going to, in my opinion, have consequences for the balance of the last year. And finally, 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 the CDC is starting to, quote unquote, follow the science and recognize that what they've been telling people to do for the last year has been essentially unnecessary. What am I talking about? What am I talking about? Well, if again, if you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620, I've got a link to the most recent story. But we have pretty much known all along that COVID was transmitted in an airborne capacity. That the problem was people in close contact to each other and you, you cough or you sneeze and it's those airborne droplets. That that's where the communicability comes from. From the beginning, the chances of contracting COVID based on surfaces, you know, the idea that you could come in and somebody who had COVID had had touched a surface and then you will subsequently touch that surface and, and touch your eyes or pick your nose or something like that, that has been at best theoretical. Well, the CDC is finally following what scientists have been saying for months and months. And what they are saying is that this whole idea of hygiene hysteria, the idea of having to wipe everything down, is unnecessary. And in many cases, perhaps, perhaps it has been counterproductive. Let me explain. Here's the way the New York Times story is. When the coronavirus began to spread in the U.S. last spring, many experts warned of the danger posed by surfaces. Researchers reported that the virus could survive for days on plastic or stainless steel, and the Center for Disease Control advised that if someone touched one of those contaminated surfaces and then touched their eyes, nose, or mouth, they could become infected. Americans responded in kind, wiping down groceries, quarantining mail, remember that? Cleaning drugstore shelves of Clorox wipe. Uh, Facebook closed two of its offices for deep cleaning. Our schools over the course of the last year, even the schools that opened in many cases for in-person learning, you know, they would close one day a week for deep cleaning. Now it turns out, never mind. Never a need to do that. Uh, just earlier this week, the CDC, following what scientists have been pushing for months, updated its surface cleaning guidelines and noted that the risk of contracting the virus from touching a contaminated surface 
was essentially non-existent. Less than one in 10,000. Um, evidence has demonstrated that um, the risk of getting COVID from actually touching a surface where somebody else who might have had COVID had touched, it is like slim to none, and slim is on a bus heading out of town. Further, and this is the New York Times writing this, the admission is long overdue, scientists say. Finally, says Lindsay Marr, an expert on airborne viruses at Virginia Tech, we've known this for a long time, and yet people are still focusing so much on surface cleaning. There's no evidence that anyone has ever gotten COVID-19 by touching a contaminated surface. All right. Now, here's the other downside that I throw out about this. You say, okay, well, all right, maybe this is an exercise of caution. But think about all this 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 hygiene hysteria that we, we've had over the course of the last year. Think about all the people working in convenience stores or working in places that have over the last year been breathing in chemical disinfectants because every time somebody touches something, they're out there with this stuff, they're wiping down all the shopping carts, they're doing all this stuff, and it was completely and totally unnecessary. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The CDC has finally come around to this. But this, to me, is another example. Most of the scientists have been saying from the beginning, this is an airborne virus. That That's what you have to worry about. That's the justifications for wearing the masks. The idea that, gee, you might touch some surface that somebody else had touched, and the idea that you are going to get COVID from that, it just, it hasn't been a realistic op- option for at least, and they've known it for a long time, and yet we've still spent all this money, all this effort. You watch all these things that are going on in restaurants or going on in businesses where you've got the people almost in the hazmat suits that are out there wiping this stuff down, and it's all been unnecessary. Less than one in 10,000 chance that someone is going to get COVID from this. And this is before we started to have the vaccine rollouts. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess the frustrating thing about this is we've been told for the last year, follow the science. But the science from early on had dictated that this was not how this virus was transmitted. And yet... The CDC has stuck to this guidance. We've had all this expense that has gone through. And I do seriously wonder, just like we're going to be figuring out for the next couple of years what the effect of closing schools has been, I wonder what the effect is going to be for all these people who are the last year have essentially their jobs has been been putting, you know, chemical disinfectant on shopping carts or shelves or whatever in order to try to kill a virus that was never going to be transmitted from surface contact anyways. 855-616-1620. We discuss next. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Here's a text. Jeff, I think you're right and wrong. Although COVID isn't easily transmittable through touch contact, think of all the other bacteria and germs that are living on surfaces. You never know if the guy in front of you washes his hands after using his bathroom. You don't know if the kid next to you is picking his nose. Um, all right. What, here, here's what here's what the Harvard expert says about different expert catching the covid virus from surfaces remains theoretically possible. 
In, in other words, in theory, it could happen. In the real world, it doesn't. It says it would require many things to go wrong. A lot of fresh, infectious virus particles have to be deposited on a surface. So you sneeze on the slot machine. You've got COVID. You sneeze on the slot machine. You don't clean it up. And then for a relatively large quantity of them to be quickly transferred to someone's hand or face. Presence on a surface does not equal risk, period. Presence of a sur- on a surface does not equal risk. And yet for the last year, we've closed schools once a week so they could be thoroughly cleaned. We got to wipe down all these desks, even though there's it, it did not equal risk. We've spent how much time and how much effort having the kids out there with the disinfectants, the chemical wipes, the chemical disinfectants, disinfecting shopping carts and and the thing is that scientists have known for the longest time that this is not how COVID was spread. Let's talk to Mark in Kenosha. Hi, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's just a little suspicious that it took this long to update the recommendations. Uh, let's see who all at the CDC has stock in Clorox. Well, yeah. Well, well, right. Remember, that was the big thing. Remember, you couldn't, and it caused the shortages. You couldn't get the Clorox wipe. You couldn't get anything. People were were just freaking out because they had to have all these disinfectants and stuff because they had to wipe down all the surfaces. And now it turns out completely unnecessary with regard to stopping the spread of COVID. Right. And with, with the hand sanitizer freak out, I mean, the, the way the price was going up on that, not that it's a bad thing to sanitize your hands or to clean surfaces in general, but specifically related to COVID, yes. that that was the, the biggest type. You couldn't go anywhere without finding it. So, Well, well right. No, you're right, Mark. You're, Mark, you're, you're absolutely right. Now, th- this isn't if, if you want to carry hand sanitizer, although that's got some, you know, some some other effects. But if you want to use hand sanitizer and things like that, there, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to wash your hands, matter of fact, that's what the scientists have been saying for quite a while, but the CDC hasn't adopted it. That in most cases, just you know, hand washing that 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 would that solves the issue. You wash your hands, you're going to take care of the problem. So all this idea of hey, we've got to have the, the people out there, and every time somebody touches a shopping cart, you've got to be out there with that chemical disinfectant. And I mean, I, I seriously do wonder. What, what what is the long term effect of of that going to be? That now you, especially all these workers who for the last year have been unnecessarily dealing with all this chemical uh, with all this chemical disinfectant. Will we see some consequence of that? And what's frustrating to me is that we, I, you know, we're told all the time, follow the science. Well, the CDC has known for a long time that this this was not where the problem was. And yet, until this week, they've refused to move off of this sort of thing. So if we're going to be told to follow the science, you got to demonstrate. It's sort of like, the, you know, a couple weeks ago where they were still hemming and hawing about whether or not people who were fully vaccinated should be able to travel. And people would ask them, well, well why? Well, it, it's possible that even though you've been you've got the vaccination, you could have asymptomatic. You could you could still get it, be asymptomatic and then could transmit it. And the question would be, well, have you found any evidence that that's ever happened? And they say, well, no, it's it's possible kind of in, in theory. And ultimately, again, that they end up backing off of that sort of thing. Let's talk to Kelly and Slinger. Kelly, you're in WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Kelly. You know, the other thing that comes to mind is all of these department stores that have closed their dressing rooms for a year or more and forced you to buy a, I don't know, let's say a sweatshirt 
that doesn't fit, you take it back right. and they quarantine it for six months because they think the virus is on the sweatshirt. Right. Not to mention the employees that practically spray themselves down right. every time they put something over over the conveyor belt. Well, well, exactly. And now, and you know, I don't know if you remember, Kelly, but I sure do. Early on, this, I can remember in the beginning, this was one of the things that lots of scientists were saying, no, this, it's transmitted airborne. And that was the justification for, you know, why everybody needed to wear the masks. It, 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 it has never been a surface problem, again, other than, uh, right, I, I, somebody sneezes, somebody who's got COVID sneezes on the surface, doesn't clean it up, and somebody comes immediately and, and touches that and then puts their hands in their mouth. Well, okay, but that's that's the unicorn. We've been, think of all the, think of the millions and millions of dollars that we have spent in all these procedures, like you're talking about, that we've developed that have been completely and totally unnecessary. Think about the schools that had to close one day a week so they could be sanitized. We had to clean all the surfaces, and there was never a reason to do it. Now, that's the problem. They created a mass hysteria where there didn't need to be one. Right, exactly. And thanks for calling. And, and again, it detracts from the, 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 real, the, the real thing. I understand the, the mask rules, okay? And I understand that's a very controversial thing. But at least that, that can make sense, okay? It's an airborne transmitter. They knew all along, or most of them knew, many of the scientists knew all along, that this was not being transmitted by surfaces, and yet they continued to perpetuate this, and it led to, I mean, the phrase is, again, hygiene hysteria. Jeff, I can believe that this was not known by about, I can't believe it's not known about three months in from learning from the virus. The CDC and the continuing changing of rules and regulations is not looking all that competent, to say the least. Yeah, see, that's... That's my point. I mean, I I get it. I I understand. You say follow the science. Well, that's why the mask rules change. We knew this was an airborne sort of situation. Um, Jeff, I avoided sanitized common surfaces even before COVID. Never been a fan of getting older people's germs, other people's germs. But you're making a great point. Well, sure. I, look, I, I understand. Again, there's if you want to wipe down surfaces because, you know, you don't want to touch where other people have been for whatever reasons, that makes sense to me. I, I get it. But the idea that this was going to do anything to fight COVID has always been frivolous. Jeff, last summer, my doctor told me, only worry if you are in a room with a person hacking up a storm. If you do this, all others, by wearing masks and keeping distances, I trusted my doctor. She knew this a year ago. And Jeff, my concern is that have we reduced our resistance to many other germs by using all this disinfectant from um, that? Well, I think that there's um, a point to that. In any event, here, here we've been told to follow the science. The science now says it's not transmitted on surfaces. Uh, so all this hygiene hysteria, all this, you've got to clean everything. Well, there might be a value in doing that to keep a germ free. But if you think you're stopping the transmission of COVID, you're not. The latest on what you need to know about your Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, Justin. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite glue? Every highlighting storyline in Milwaukee. Patty sees a glue guy. You got to have a glue guy. And all around the NBA. We wanted to uh, do some reckless speculation here. Uh, you yes. Know, like I said, that's what the show I, is all about. Catch Bucks Talk immediately following every Bucks game. Presented by Gruber Law Officers. Here on the home of the Bucks, WTMJ. Let's talk about Pella Windows and Doors, Wisconsin. Don't you just love fresh air and sunshine? It's so 
stimulating. Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has been in the fresh air and sunshine business since like forever. Think about it. By upgrading now with Pella of Wisconsin, you can let the sunshine in as much as you want with blinds and shades between the glass. Then with Pella's exclusive integrated roll screen, you can let in a breath of fresh air anytime you need one and then make it roll away out of sight when you don't. Speaking of stimulating, wouldn't it be smart to use your stimulus check or tax refund to invest in energy efficient Pella Windows and Doors for your place? They'll actually pay you back in the years to come. Plus, order by April 30th and get a six-year no-interest financing. Pella now, pay later. Now that's a stimulating breath of fresh air. Virtual appointments are still available as well. See, Set your free consultation today. You can do it by going to their website, PellaWI.com slash radio, or just give them a call. It's 855-PELLA-WI. Some restrictions apply. See the showroom for details. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One final thought on that. Somebody was texting me saying, well, Jeff, you're, you're not saying that people shouldn't use hand sanitizers. Well, no, actually, what I was talking about is the people, the employees for the last year whose principal job has been able to, has been to take, like, heavy-duty chemical disinfectants and, and wipe down surfaces, and they're around it constantly, even though we now know that there was no reason to have to do all that. But as to hand sanitizers, I, I, am I against it? No. But if you do look, I mean, the FDA is advising you've got to be careful with hand sanitizers. For example, here's the F- uh, Food and Drug Administration warning consumers and healthcare professionals not to use certain alcohol-based hand sanitizers due to the dangerous presence of, presence of methanol or wood alcohol, a substance often used to create fuel and antifreeze that can be toxic when absorbed, th- absor- absorbed through the skin. So I'm not saying don't use hand sanitizers, but I'm saying, you know, you, you need to be a little bit careful when you're you're doing this. And again, now we're, we're finding out that if you're using that hand sanitizer because you you thought you had to do it to protect yourself from getting COVID. Uh-uh. That's just not the way. It, that's not the way COVID is transmitted. Follow the science. All right. I have been watching this story for the last couple months. Amazon. Everybody knows Amazon. It is a a huge employer all across the country. Amazon is non-union. It's essentially a, a non-union shop. I don't think that there is a, a single union that has gotten established at, at an Amazon place, even though all the different local facilities have a chance or choice of unionizing or not. For the last three months, there has been an ongoing battle in Atlanta, in Alabama, of all places, an effort to try to unionize one of the uh, Amazon distribution facilities. There's about um, there's about 3,200 people. There's actually about 5,000 people that work at this facility in Alabama, Bessemer, Alabama, and the union organizers have made a huge pitch to try to unionize this. And the idea would be if you could unionize, if you could get a union in it in Alabama in Amazon, that would be the impetus for starting to unionize all sorts of other Amazon facilities all across the country. The other thing that union organizers thought was going to be really, really effective is the the number of minority employees, particularly the number of black employees at this particular facility in Alabama, where it was huge. I think it was like 70% or something like that. And the, the union officials believed that minority employees would be more inclined to, to 
and I don't know why they thought this, but they thought, you know, based on their track record, that they would be more, they'd be the people, if persons of color, would be more inclined to go with the union than perhaps if it was a majority um, white operation. Now, that's at least what the union was thinking. So they were very, very optimistic about this. There's been this huge battle going on over the course of, like I say, the, the last couple months. It is interesting, some of the hypocrisy. Amazon, which is, again, owned by in part by, by Jeff Bezos, um, Amazon, they were objecting to mail order voting, mail-in voting. They were saying, okay, we don't think this is reliable. But guys like Jeff Bezos, who's a huge liberal, all right, apparently mail-in voting is reliable enough when we're choosing governors and senators and congressmen and presidents, but it's not reliable when you, you know, when we're, we're deciding a, a union election. In any event, that, that kind of got shot down, but it was kind of an interesting hypocrisy. But people have been watching this election. The voting has been taking place, and now they started counting the votes this week, and the, the, the results are in. The union overwhelmingly crashing and burning the unionization effort has gone down to to defeat they, they don't have the final numbers that are in yet but the results that they have reported thus far the union was losing like 70 to 30 it, it just it wasn't even close and now out of like 5,000 plus employees I think the numbers I've got it right here the numbers were um, they had about 3,200 mail-in ballots that were sent in by workers so a, a chunk of the workers you know decided that they weren't going to vote or take a position on it but of the people that voted 70 percent said no union so it, it's now apparent that this is a colossal failure of this efforts to unionize. And it's a huge blow to the unionization movement. They're apparently going to file some complaints with the NLRB, but I don't know that that's going to go anywhere. Here's the bottom line of this. In Alabama, the the minimum wage is, they don't have a state minimum wage. The federal minimum wage is, what, $7.75. Employees at this Amazon facility, which is largely largely unskilled sort of work, um, make over $15 an hour. Now, the union was saying, well, what we need is we, we, you need us in there because there's workplace issues and, you know, they'll, they'll make you come in for a meeting and they might not pay you. And, and you know, they, they run these type of sweatshops and things like that. But the the employees at this facility overwhelmingly said no. And this has been something, like I say, that's been watched nationwide. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text blow, uh, text Line. This is a huge blow to, to union organization. They thought if they could get established at this large Amazon facility in Alabama, this would, again, give you momentum to try to, to spread this to other places. And yet Amazon workers said no. My question is, why do you think this happened? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, I think this is kind of a simple, straightforward thing. Amazon, I think, treats its workers pretty darn well. You know, if you've got a minimum wage in the state that's $7.75 and Amazon workers are making essentially twice that or almost twice that, it's kind of tough to sell the idea that the union's going to come in and the union's going to be able to significantly, you know, better their standard of living or their working conditions or things like that. If the companies treat people well, the union, I think, has a very uphill battle in trying to convince the employees that they are better off 
collectively getting together and trying to to bargain than they are simply staying with the present system. 855-616-1620. I think it comes down to, to pure dollars and cents that nowadays unions have a tough time selling what their advantage is really going to be. And in this case, they apparently failed miserably. What do you think happened? And is there a larger lesson for future efforts to try to unionize people across the country? We discuss in a minute. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff, Amazon treats their employees terribly, and I don't think that's a secret. I worked for a company that Amazon bought out, worked in the past tense because they eliminated my job of over a decade. The pay may be attractive, but they do not treat their employees in a humane way. There are many accounts of this out there, and it doesn't take much digging to see the real condition these workers face on a daily basis. All right, well, well that then begs the question about why... The, the workers voted overwhelmingly, and it, it wasn't close. I mean, it was 70 to 30. I mean, it, more than two to one voted against installing a union at this big Amazon plant in, in Alabama. And this was after the unions made a huge push. Joe Biden sent out a video a week or two ago encouraging people to go union. Joe Biden got involved in this, and the workers at the Amazon plant overwhelmingly rejected the, the union. And so my question is, if it's that terrible a place to work, well, what, what's going on? Why do the workers end up saying no? Are they just, are they deluded? Are they delusional? Are they crazy? Or is there something going on? And I think part of the problem is, again, it's a failure of the unions to be able to be able to demonstrate to these workers that, hey, you'd really be much better off going into some collective bargaining and paying us your dues and having us represent you than the way you're being treated now, which at least according to two-thirds or almost two-thirds of these Amazon workers voting in this case must not have been that bad. Lamar in Orlando. Hi, Lamar. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. So. Um, I used to be, so I'm sure you're familiar. I used to be a former union lobbyist. In fact, I worked for the transit union there. Mm-hmm. The bus uh, company. For many here. years. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And one of the, one of the biggest problems, uh, that, that I identified during my time that the union has, number one, the messaging is so outdated. It's such a 1970s, uh, model that unions have. Cause I, I used to get, in, I got in arguments with a former president of the transit union. They were talking about striking will get you all these benefits. That doesn't work in 2020. Yeah, um, that's one of the issues. And even if they had an updated message, because that the union the union model of, of seniority doesn't work with like newer younger employees. Even if they had a good message, you're up against a company. You're up against a company that has the undivided attention of their employees. They have more money and they mm-hmm. can get more messaging. It's kind of like two candidates running for office, the one with the the, the money and the, that can get to the voters and get his message out, versus the one that may have a better message but can't get the message out. It's 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 an uneven fight. Do you think that how does Okay, moving forward, is you say it's an uneven fight, but going back to the first thing you said about the outdated messaging, I mean, do the unions need to figure out a, a way, a different way of sort of appealing, particularly like you're saying, to, to some of the, the younger workers that are out there, convincing them that there really is a value to unionization? Yeah, they, they, they have to get away from the seniority rules model. That doesn't that works for for employees of you know, the seniority gets you everything, right? So if you've been there twenty years, you get the better benefits, the better pay, everything, you get the better advantages, bidding, et cetera. That that doesn't that doesn't do anything for someone that's that's new or have only been there five years. You see what I'm saying? It I doesn't do. help. Right. And with the workforce changing, 
that 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 it, it, there's no benefit there. You have to change that entire model and the entire messaging. It just doesn't work anymore. Interesting. Thanks. So, no, no. I, I think I think you make a great point, Lamar. I mean, one of the other issues that that's going on. And I look. I, I I've never worked in a situation where I, I was a member of a union, and I've always been comfortable with that, simply because I, I've always cut my my own deals. And I, I know for a lot of people, I think also a lot of younger people, you. <laughs> You you don't you you want to be treated on your own merit and whether it's the idea of senior seniority or or whatever or the obligation that unions have look they got to represent everybody so I mean I know a lot of people who are union members who there were they, they like the fact that there were negotiated benefits and things like that but on the other hand you you, you always knew that there was that that whatever percentage the five percent the ten percent of the workforce who w- was creating all the problems. And yet, you know, that's that's the the union was defending the bad employees. That that five to ten percent. And I knew a lot of people who were saying, you know, this is, you know, we we know what these guys are doing, and we know that it's it's wrong, and we know that they probably should be fired, etc. But they've got this duty to do it. I think Lamar is on to something. Um, let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with what you just said. Um, full disclosure, again, I worked for a union for 13 years in a distribution center, probably somewhat similar to Amazon. In fact, the company I work for now has tried to get some business with Amazon, so I've been in the facilities. And I think what you said earlier is true as well, is that they treat their employees pretty well. Their employees realize they have something good. They're working for a you know huge company. There's um, you know, It's not like the unions of the old days where you know companies could hide stuff. In this day and age, it is so hard for companies to treat employees poorly without the whole world knowing about it. Right, and and Amazon offers a wide range. My understanding, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is Amazon offers a a wide range of benefits. So, I mean, yes, you do have to work hard, and yes, it's physical labor, um, but that's kind of the nature of the business that's there. But again, it's it's largely, in many cases, it's it's unskilled work, and you make a bunch of money, uh, comp- especially compared to probably a lot of people that are working at other jobs in Alabama, and you've got a lot of benefits that are there. It- it's tough to sell unions to to people who probably say, "Hey, I-, I think I've got it relatively good right now." Yeah, I agree with you, Jeff. Thanks for calling. I- I- and that and that's going to be the the challenge again moving forward. Like I say, I've been watching this for the last couple months because this is the 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 the. Um, the warehouse union, I mean, they were making a big deal about this. And this was a battle. And now that they're losing big time, the headlines are, well, they're going to file a complaint with the National Labor Relations Board because the the post office put in a put in a mailbox outside the plant. You know, and of course, it's mail-in voting. Amazon didn't want mail-in voting, which, again, that that's with Jeff Bezos. That that's sort of the interesting thing. We can have mail-in voting. It's great to elect a president, but you can't have it for a union thing. But anyhow, they they lost that fight. So there was a mailbox that was put in like outside the plant to make it easier for the workers to to mail in their ballots. And now the the union is complaining about that, saying, "Well, it could have given the workers the idea that you know the the, the company controlled that U.S. Postal Service box." I mean, we're we're really into the kind of the crazy area there. But big blow to unionization efforts in this country. Like I say, Joe Biden decided to get involved, and uh, at least the voters at this particular Amazon plant in Alabama, um, they weren't buying what the president was selling. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. It is the big lie. Remember years ago, it would have been about 2011 or so, when we had the whole debate about Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, and, and the president was very, very clear, President Obama, that it's, it's if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Well, okay, that that was the big lie. Everybody understands that's not how it worked out. Some people could, but that was not how it worked out, and it was sold that way. All right, well, I've always been frustrated with that because, again, regardless of how you feel about the Affordable Care Act, wouldn't it have been nice if people would have been honest so you could have had that debate instead of, hey, if, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. No, that's not kind of how it worked out. Well, I saw a degree of the big lie the other day, and it came from President Biden talking about his different ideas on gun control. Now, let me say this at the beginning. I understand reasonable people can can disagree about, you know, how far we need to go in restricting access to firearms. For example, I, this, this whole thing with ghost guns and a ghost gun that's now getting a lot of conversation, a, a ghost gun is really that the people who mostly do this, it's, it's hobbyists. You, you assemble your own gun. And the way it works is there's a, a receiver, a metal piece that you can purchase separately, and then you buy the other stuff, you put it together. The metal piece doesn't have a serial number on it, so you can, you can essentially create an untraceable gun. All right, and, and President Biden wants to crack down on it. Honestly, I don't have an issue with that. I, I don't. But at the same time, as I was saying yesterday, in 2019, the total number of quote-unquote ghost guns that were seized by law enforcement in this country, not all of which had been involved in crimes, was 10,000, which is a drop in the bucket when it comes to firearm violence. So to, to me, you know, talking about you know, ghost guns, all right, yeah, if, if you want to say that these things have to have serial numbers and they have to be registered, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing. But let's understand that's, that's nibbling on the edge of the overall issues. The other thing, though, that the president said that really caught my attention is he talked about gun manufacturers. And you heard him say on multiple occasions, the only industry, and I'm quoting now, the only industry in America, a billion-dollar industry that can't be sued are gun manufacturers. And the president, and then he reiterated that. And then you had a number of the talking heads that were saying the same thing. Well, they, you, you, they can't be sued. And, and why would we give all this protection to gun manufacturers? Can you imagine it? That, that statement is untrue. It's it just, it is flat out untrue. Now, here, here's what the facts are. Back in 2005, Congress passed something called the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, PLCAA. It's otherwise known as the Child Safety Lock Act. What that says is that gun manufacturers cannot be sued. They cannot be held liable in cases when people commit crimes using their products. So in other words, if you have a criminal that gets a hold of a Smith & Wesson 9mm and walks into a liquor store and shoots somebody while they're holding it up, you can't sue the gun manufacturer who made the gun that the criminal used. All right, that that's that is true. However, firearms makers can be sued for all sorts of other things. You create a defective product 
Well, you you can yes you you can you can be sued. The gun you know you buy a you buy a gun and the gun blows up in your hand. It, yes, you can be sued. Now, what's the reason for this? Well, the reason for this is what you had happen in the eighties and nineties and the early aughts is you had a lot of people who wanted to put the firearms manufacturers out of business. That was the goal. And the strategy that was developed is let's file a lot of basically nuisance lawsuits against gun manufacturers whenever somebody misuses their product. It was a strategic effort to try to cripple the gun industry by saying, okay, you have a situation where you you have a bunch of criminals who've used guns to commit crimes. So let's go let's sue the gun manufacturers and even though we're probably not going to succeed, we're not going to recover, we're going to make them spend millions of dollars nationwide in trying to defend the lawsuits because the, the gun the gun itself nothing defective about the gun. It's like saying to auto manufacturers Auto manufacturers can be sued if their product is is defective. You know, if the if the accelerator is bad or if the steering doesn't work. But it's like saying somebody gets drunk, gets behind the wheel of the car, and you sue the auto manufacturer for the fact that the drunk driver got drunk and hit a car. All right, our number is eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So it is completely dupl- it, it is. It is of questionable, if you don't want to call it a lie, let me just say that it is a huge exaggeration for the president to say that gun manufacturers can't be sued at all, because they can't. Gun manufacturers can't be sued if somebody takes their product and uses it to commit a crime. All right, should we change that? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Gun manufacturers can be sued for all sorts of reasons, but gun manufacturers can't be choosed, sued, again, if the bad guy gets the Smith & Wesson and uses it to hold up a liquor store and then shoots somebody. Is that the gun manufacturer's fault, or is it the fault of the criminal um, 855-616-1620. Do we need to change that? And candidly, I would have had a lot more respect for the president's comments yesterday if instead of just, well, gun manufacturers, it's a billion-dollar industry, they can't be sued, if he would have said, at least let's focus on the issue. They can, in fact, be sued for all sorts of stuff. They can't be sued for criminals who use guns to commit crimes. Right? That, at least, is a fair discussion to have. I don't think it is fair to hold a manufacturer who makes an otherwise legal product if somebody misuses that. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in a moment. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Okay, here, here's a text. Jeff, stop it. You know that's not what he meant. Good heavens! No, I know exactly what he meant. All right, the, all right. This, these are the president's exact words. The only industry in America, a billion dollar industry that can't be sued, that's exempt from being sued, are gun manufacturers. Okay, that's that is what he said. They can't be sued. That's not true. Gun manufacturers can be sued for all sorts of things. Gun manufacturers cannot be sued. They do have liability protection if a criminal 
takes a firearm and misuses it. And the reason for that, and again, you, we can argue the merits of that. The reason for that was, you know, 15 and 20 years ago, there was a strategy to try to bankrupt all the gun manufacturers by filing lawsuit after lawsuit. Every time somebody got shot, well, not every time, but somebody would get shot by a criminal with a gun, you'd sue the gun manufacturer. And even if you weren't able to recover, you'd make the gun manufacturer spend tens of thousands or more dollars defending it. It was kind of like the strategy is we're going to have a, a death by a bunch of cuts, uh, little the tiny cuts, but this is what we're going to do. So that's why the law says, hey, if you make a defective product, you, you can you can be sued. But yes, if a criminal commits a crime with a gun, you cannot sue the gun manufacturer for the fact that the criminal had the gun. And, and that's what the issue is. And, and no, I don't think that's what most people understood when they heard the president say yesterday, it's a billion-dollar industry, and it's the only industry where you can't be sued. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? So two things, really, and I think, you know, there's a couple things going on here, right? So one is... Uh, you know, Biden's he's, he's pumping up the, the left base, and at the same time, it's going to pump up the right, right? So the left base is going to get behind this, help him champion it. Whether it has merit or not, it's going to create uh, that discussion and argument, and the right's going to get very defensive about it, right? So it's going to create a lot of dialogue up, about it. But I also think he's taking a page out of Trump's uh, playbook here, and he's kind of putting this big high-ticket item on, even though he, he knows very well that it's probably not doable, mm-hmm. but he can use it as leverage to get something less. And I think that's the biggest takeaway right here is that he's using this as the, the big leverage point, and he's going to go for something a little bit less. And the gun manufacturers are going to pressure, uh, you know, Republicans to, to go along with it. Right. Well, I guess, and thanks, so, no, and I don't, I don't disagree. And I guess I, see, I would, would, Again, what bothered me about this takeaway line, and this is the headline, is it's just false. If the president wanted to say, look, I believe that if somebody uses a gun to commit a crime, that the gun manufacturer should be held liable and they should be sued. Okay, that's fine. Let's put that issue out there. But that's not what he said in his effort to demonize him. And I don't think most people understood. Now, I'm getting a couple of people. Oh, everybody understands that, that, what that law is. No, I, I don't think most people, I think most people that heard the president say, gosh, the gun industry is the only industry in America that, that can't be sued. I think they understood that, oh, they can't be sued, which is not true. It's, it's just, it's flat out not true. Um, Jeff, all gun control measures are full of myths, truths. Um, some people aren't educated on firearms. Um, most non-firearm owners are the same. Um, let's see. Jeff, somebody was talking about Trump. Why does it always go back to Trump? Well, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, people don't become a criminal until they, uh, oh, Jeff, okay, can an automaker be sued if a driver uses a car to kill a person? Shouldn't it be the same answer as the gun manufacturer? Yeah, and, and my answer would be, yes, if, look, if, if I'm driving down the street in my car, and all of a sudden the, the car malfunctions, and I hit the brake, and instead it accelerates, and I run through the red light and I end up hitting somebody, yeah, I, I think that, that that's fair. That's a defect in the automobile. 
On the other hand, if the automobile is working absolutely fine and I decide I'm going to run the red light, so I hit the gas pedal and I go through the intersection at 90 miles an hour, is that the automobile's fault? And my answer would be no, that's not. That's the fault of of the individual. I mean, similarly, if I'm on a gun range, and I'm going to shoot the firearm, and the, the firearm, I don't know, the barrel blows up, or, or, or something happens and I get injured, or somebody else gets injured because the firearm was defective, of course you should be able to sue the manufacturer. But again, going back to my example, if you have the, the criminal that walks into the 7-Eleven with the gun and ends up shooting people, what, what has the manufacturer done that's wrong other than you, you, you've made the gun itself? But guns are... Guns are legal. Uh, guns are legal. Um, you know, isn't isn't that uh, you know isn't that the case? Um, let's see, eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, let's all sue Ben and Jerry's for making us us fat. Well, there, there's kind of an an element to that, Jeff. So if I rob a bank with a gun and then arrive on a Trek bicycle to the bank, um, we we should be able to sue Trek. Because somebody rode the bank, you rode there. I think that's a fair sort of analysis. Um, Jeff, I'm not sure if suing the gun manufacturer is the right way to go about it. I can't sue Molson Coors when a person gets behind the wheel and kills someone due to drunk driving. Same as with trying to sue Kia because um, Kia has security issues making it easier for to steal. And the car, the Kia thief runs a red light and causes me harm. That's a very good example. Kia, Kia Automobiles are subject to a disproportionate number of thefts because I, I forget exactly what the dynamic was, but people would kick in the rear mirror, kick in the rear windshield, and then they'd be able to get into the car and they'd be able to steal it. So okay, so so what happens? Somebody steals the car and then again driving eighty miles an hour runs through a red light and kills somebody. All right, do you sue Kia because well, you know it was they didn't make it hard enough to stop somebody from stealing it. See this now maybe your answer is yes. You know, maybe your answer is, hey, we should treat gun manufacturers with this idea of strict liability. And if people misuse their product, we should hold them responsible. We should hold them accountable um, because they're, they're making a product that if it's misused, it can have horrible consequences. So maybe you feel that way. And I guess that's it. I don't. I don't agree with that. But that's at least the discussion that I think reasonable people can, in fact, have. But that's not the way the president framed it in his desire to sort of uh, whip up the, this anti-gun hysteria. Oh, we need Congress to do this. We need Congress to do away with this liability stuff because they can't be sued. Well, they, they can be sued. They can be sued for a wide variety of things. They just can't be sued if criminals take their product and misuse them. Back with more in a minute. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So, Drew, producing the show today and always, the, the crown, that's that's no appeal to you either. <laughs> no, that is not a show for me. Okay, if, if you are if you and Mrs. Drew are looking for a movie summit, try The Queen. That That's that's with Helen Mirren. Um, it's 
it's it's first of all it's only like an hour and a half so i mean if if and it, i think it was kind of interesting in the aftermath of princess diana so i mean i if if you want to like wade your toe into this whole thing or that that might be a way to go we'll see yeah <laughs> okay which is a nice way of saying why would i want to wade my toe into this particular <laughs> all right i i understand i just i was just saying for people who might find the crown to be off putting and i i understand that uh, you know, the, the Queen was, a, I think it was a pretty well done thing. And Helen Mirren's a really great actress, so anything that she has is pretty good. Um, I want to comment on, on something that the state Supreme Court did today, and I do want to put it in a little bit of context because the court may have been right in the legal decision. I, I think it's the wrong result. Here, here is the deal. If we're going to have mail-in voting, I think one of the things that you have to have, and, and and look, I'm not this guy that thinks that we should put up all these impediments to voting. I mean, I, I think within certain boundaries, making sure that you're not, again, opening it up to, to widespread fraud or, you know, getting people to, to vote who really don't know what they're doing or just, you know, casting ballots because somebody asks them to do it or whatever. I, I, I think within certain reasons, we, we need to make it easy. And so I'm, I'm one of these guys that doesn't, doesn't have the opposition or the concern with mail-in balloting. But if we're going to do that, it is important to keep the voting rolls, to, to keep them clean. In other words, when, when people move, you, you've got to, or die, you've got to get them off the, the voting rolls because otherwise the potential is there for, for abuse. So, I mean, I don't think, and I don't think that that's unreasonable. So what Wisconsin does right now, by way of background, Wisconsin uses this service that um, about 30 other states do to keep track of of when people have moved. And and what they do is they use the service that looks at at postal service records and when for example when when you do a change of address, you know, you're you're you know, if you're moving from Whitefish Bay to Mequon, you do a, a chain uh, you do a, a change of notice with the postal service saying I have moved. Okay? So the po- this this consortium keeps track of that. Similarly, if you change the registration on your automobile. So let's say you live in Milwaukee County and you're, you're now registering your car in Washington County. It keeps track of that. And what this consortium does is it then notifies the, it, it notifies the authorities that it's likely that somebody has moved. Now, I guess it's possible that there are reasons why you would tell the Postal Service that you've changed your address but you haven't. Not sure what that would be. It is possible that you could change your car registration and still not have moved. Why would you do that? Well, okay, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you've got to pay Milwaukee's wheel tax and you've got to pay Milwaukee County's uh, wheel tax. So maybe you want to get out from under that. So you register, you move your car, you register it at your parents' house in, in West Bend, to give an example, to avoid all that extra charges. Now, that doesn't mean what you're doing is right or legitimate, but it, it would explain why somebody would change their auto registration even though they didn't change their address. So anyhow, what happens is when when people do something that triggers one of these things, hey, it looks like the person's moved, The this consortium, this industry, they notify 
the the elections commission and they notify the the local polling places that it looks like somebody has moved. So what they then do is they then send out postcards to your your past address. If you're registered to vote in Milwaukee, you get a postcard saying, "Hey, we've received this indication that you you've moved." And, you know, we need you to send the postcard back or else we're going to take you off the, the rolls. And all you have to do is send the postcard back and we'll remove you and we'll, we'll keep you on the rolls if it turns out we have this information in error. All, I think it's a very, very reasonable sort of thing. Well, what happened was the State Elections Commission decided we're not, we're not going to follow, we don't think that the law applies to us. This law that defines this process and says that the names have to come off the rolls, we don't think that applies to us, the State Elections Commission. We think that only applies to the, these local communities. And there was litigation about that. What does the law mean? Because the State Elections Commission, for reasons that, I, I, again, are beyond me, wasn't, wasn't interested in trying to force voters to be removed from the rolls. Again, it just it makes absolutely no sense if you if you really care about the integrity of of the system. And the other thing that goes on in Wisconsin is, of course, we we have same day registration. So let's take a situation where you have the person who decided they didn't want to pay Milwaukee's wheel tax. So they registered their car in, in West Bend, even though they still live in Milwaukee. So they. They, then they decide they're not going to answer the, the postcard because, gee, if we send this postcard back in, maybe there, somebody's going to figure out that we've really moved our car to West Bend to try to, to to beat this wheel tax. So, all right, so they get they don't send the postcard back in. They get removed from the rolls. Well, in, in Wisconsin, we have same-day registration, so all you have to do is, again, show the, the ID, cast a provisional ballot, and then go back and show them the proof that you really still live at the place, and, and your vote will, will count. In any event, the state Supreme Court today said the way the law is written, it doesn't apply to the state elections commission. It only applies to the, the, the local communities. So the state elections commission can't be forced to remove people from the voting rolls, even though they don't belong on the voting rolls. So, I, I mean, I actually had a couple minutes to look through the decision. I understand where the state Supreme Court's coming from. It was a 5-2 to two decision, two conservatives, the three liberals, all saying this, the state elections commission can't be forced to remove people from the rolls. On, on a technical legal sense, it, it, it may be the correct decision. I guess it is the correct decision because that's what they decided. But as a practical matter... I mean, if we're going to have mail-in voting, if we're going to have this early absentee voting, if we're going to have, hey, let's make it easy, let's send everybody absentee ballots, if we're going to have that, we have to keep the voting rolls as close to -to up-to-date as possible. And I guess I just don't think it's unreasonable at all to say if if somebody's changed their license with the Postal Service or somebody's changed their car registration with the DMV, I don't think it's unreasonable to say, all right, look, um, you know, we're going to take that as prima facie evidence that you've changed your address. We're going to send you a postcard. You can tell us we're wrong. Otherwise, you are going to have, and I think the way that it is now, they have like 72,000 people on the voter rolls who who don't don't live where they used to live. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that you have any large number of those people who are voting, but what sense does it make to have a system that doesn't allow you to have the most recent up-to-date information? 
All it does is breed distrust with the system. So I, I think this is a situation where hopefully the lawmakers will change this. It's not going to happen because anything the Republicans do, Evers will veto. And so it's going to continue to be a mess moving forward. But it, it's the court might have been right in their legal reasoning. But as far as a result, it's not the right result. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, our daughter has lived and worked in Arizona since mid-2016. She does vote down there since she lives down there. And yet I see her on our lists every time I vote, including this week. It makes absolutely no sense. That, that's, that's my, I guess that's my point. See, this is this law. That, that makes sense. And it gets, it, it, the whole debate about this, oh, this is nothing but voter suppression. It's like the big lie about the new law in Georgia. Oh, this is all this voter suppression, including a, a lie that's perpetrated by the President of the United States when he's talking about this being Jim Crow number two. This is just, you know, that's it. And, and of course, the reality is what the Georgia law does is in many respects, and as I've said this before, with the Georgia law, Reasonable people can disagree. You can argue about, gee, should you be able to request an absentee ballot six months before the election or only three? But really, being able to request an absentee ballot three months before an election, that that's that's voter suppression? I mean, g- give me a break. The idea that, um, well, gee, it's so terrible that we, we can't have people in NRA T-shirts or union T-shirts going up to people in line to vote and giving them free stuff. Oh, how terrible that is. Uh, you know, again, you, you got to kind of dial down the, the rhetoric that's there. And this is the same sort of situation to me. The idea that you've got to keep the voting rolls as clean as possible. And the idea that if for example, a community or the state elections board gets a reasonable indicator that somebody has moved. And let's face it, in most cases, if you change the registration on your car, that means you've moved. If you tell the postal service that you've changed your address, in in almost all situations, that's going to mean that you've changed your address and, and, and you've moved. And so what in the world is wrong with using that as an indicator saying, okay, this is going to trigger us to send a postcard to the old address to ask, is it really true that somebody's moved or not? That that That's not an unreasonable sort of thing. It's not voter suppression. If you've got 75,000 or 100,000 people on the rolls that are listed as registered to vote at one place where they're no longer legally allowed to vote, why wouldn't we want to clean up the rolls? Also understanding that in Wisconsin with same-day registration, it's really, really easy if somebody is mistakenly taken off the rolls because... For what, whatever reason, they're the ones who changed their registration with the postal service, their, their residence with the postal service, but they're still living where they used to live. If that is, in fact, the case, okay, you, you, it's easy to clear up. Don't we want the most accurate voting rolls possible? Just saying. All right, when we come back, we've got Pop Culture Corner coming up, Donald Trump and Ron Johnson and... Okay, is this really the time to spend all these millions of dollars? I will explain. We will discuss. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. All right, I had a discussion with somebody last night who 
is one of the few people I found that, that sees things my way. Now, I fully confess that I am not exactly an early adopter. I'm not one of these people that stands in line in front of the Apple store trying to find the, the latest gizmo or, or whatever. I'm more inclined to say, okay, well, let me let me figure out how all this stuff works, and then, you know, if I think I'd like it, I'll, I'll like it. All right, my wife mocks me on various occasions for a number of things, many of which are deserved, but one of the things I get mocked about a lot is my choice in cell phones. I have in my hand my Apple cell phone, which I have a 5S cell phone. All right, Apple stopped selling the 5S in 2016, right? I, I, I don't know when I first got this, but th- this is this is the cell phone that I have. I like my Apple 5S cell phone. It's the perfect size for me. It fits in my front pocket. About two years ago, the cell phone battery died. I took it to Battery Parts Plus, and they were able to replace the cell phone battery, and it works perfectly fine. I am able to access the Internet on my my Apple 5S. I am able to make phone calls. I am able to check my email. I am able to um, surf the Internet. I am able to take pictures and then send them. In other words, it, it does everything that I need a cell phone to do. And the best part about this is I paid it off years and years ago. So, I mean, it's other than whatever I have to pay, you know, a month to, you know, the company to, to you know, keep the cell phone service up, the phone itself costs me nothing. Now, my wife has a, a much newer phone. It's bigger. It's, I guess, arguably faster if you're surfing the Internet, but I have no problem doing this. And it's got a better it's got a better camera. When we are places and we're taking and we're taking pictures, we, we use her cell phone because it's got a better camera. But my, my cell phone, the camera, the camera's fine. I mean, it's at least it's fine for for my needs. And it, it, this is one of these things where I, I pull out my 5S phone on many different occasions and people look at it like hey this guy he's a dinosaur you know we don't we don't see these things anymore and and my argument is it is perfectly fine for everything that i need to do so yesterday i was talking to somebody and she was saying well yeah i i've got a six that which is the one generation after mine she says i get all sorts of abuse for that too but it, it's perfectly fine it works out well all right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I know that there might even be a couple of you out there who, who still have the flip phones. Well, I, I got, I mean, I to, to that I might say, okay, well, you know, 2014 is calling. Maybe it's time to move up to, but, but, but right now, the idea of even with deals or whatever, dropping whatever these new phones are, dropping a thousand bucks or whatever it is to, to get a new phone when the phone I have is perfectly serviceable and at least at least as of now I, I continue to be able to get the Apple updates. Now I guess at some point in time they're going to, you know, stop providing the updates for the operating system and the thing is essentially going to become functionally obsolete. But I don't feel that it's at that point now. And yet I get teased all the time for going and continuing to use my perfectly good cell phone 
that I have probably had for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, however long it is, because it, it does everything I need to do. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay. Is it time to answer the door and understand that 2021 is calling? And look, there, there's all these new bells and whistles that are out there, and you've got all these different things. And, and is, is my life going to be noticeably better, significantly improved? Am I going to be happier if I decide to you know, spring for the dough and, and upgrade my phone? Or is this one where you just, as long as the thing is working and I'm happy, is there really any reason to, to get the newest, latest model? 855-616. By the way, the thing I like, my, my iPhone, it's still got that button on it. You know, the new ones, I, I still, I, every once in a while I'll be playing with my wife's phone and it, it does, I've still got that button. You know, you push the button, that's how you get access to it. The, they don't do that anymore. I'm going to miss that button when I have to give this up. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I'm I, I've got my iPhone five S. I absolutely love it. Now, some people are saying it can't be updated. Well, I, I don't know. I, I get these messages all the time saying, "Hey, the phone hasn't been updated in a couple of weeks." It happens when you plug it in and have it hooked up to Wi-Fi. And whenever I do that, I, I get the the updates. So um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing out on something. But it's so far seems to be working. Jeff, I had the iPhone 6 just upgraded to the iPhone 12 mini. It's about the same phone size as my iPhone 6. I love it. And then it runs something else that my old iPhone didn't. I suggest you look into it. It's about the same size. Well, I, I yeah, and I, I mean, I understand that there's stuff that's out there. And but but again, if, if it's like eleven hundred or twelve hundred dollars, I can do a lot with eleven hundred or twelve hundred bucks. Jeff, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Jeff, don't cave into peer pressure and get a new phone. If it works fine, keep it. But as an Apple stockholder who doesn't have an iPhone, this uh, type of phone shaming just helps Apple stockholders. Well, I think there is an element of that that's out there. Jeff, keep it if it works. Um, I bought um, one seven years ago with more memory than I'll never need. I like the small size and unlike and I don't necessarily like the newer ones so I'm staying put. Jeff the downside to the bigger phones is they don't fit in small hands well and they don't fit well in small pockets. Um, an SE, which is about the size of a 5, is the closest to what you have. Headphone jack, button on the top, home button, and fingerprint login. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't have the fingerprint login either. Jeff, my roommate has the iPhone 5S2 and has gone through the same judgment as you. She's also reiterated everything you're saying. I say keep it. The fifth generation iPhones are reliable, and as long as your software still updates, why not? In addition to the button missing, newer iPhones don't have the headphone thing i'm not sure that will affect you or not yeah i um i've, I've got a um an, an ipod uh, the, the new ipod things and, and yeah I, i've got that what do they call it the, the dongle for that right you, you can't you have to put that in and then you have to plug the thing in but i'm i like what i've got rich in waukesha rich you're on wtmj Charlie, I'm going to do some shaming here. Okay, well, um, especially morning, since this is Jeff, Charlie's been gone for five years, so that's okay. Go, let's I'm shame sorry, Charlie. Sorry. Works I'm for sorry, me. Jeff. That's okay. I'm sorry, Jeff. No, let's shame oh, Charlie. Yeah, let's it works for me. 
Okay. So, first of all, your 5S, um, it doesn't, you may get app updates that might work, but otherwise the operating system is completely out of date. Okay. You can't update the operating system, so it's an old processor. But here's the thing. You can, if you switch carriers from U.S. Cellular to Verizon or Verizon to U.S. Cellular, they will give you an iPhone 12. Yeah. Um, okay, but, so, but, but, but tell me why but, Why do I but, need, well, first of all, if let's assume for the sake of argument I'm well, happy with my carrier, why do I need a new phone? What What, what is this new phone going to do to make my life better yeah, so, than my old phone won't? So, okay, so first of all, better security. It also will have better quality camera. Yeah. It'll have better quality photos. Yeah. And you'll you'll be it'll update faster. You'll get faster refresh. You know when you open up a website or what have you. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of apps. They they basically abandoned updating the apps that are, um, you know, the if you look at Google Maps right now, you're probably if you use that at all. Uh, you can't download the latest uh, the latest version of Google Maps. You're okay. using an old version of Google Maps app. It's just the processor is just too slow. Mm-hmm. The SE is exactly similar size, similar features, but it's got the newest processor and runs on the current operating system. Right. But you can get this stuff. If you switch carriers, they include it free yeah. if you commit for two years. Yeah, and I think, so, and again, I, no, I appreciate it. I guess... I, I'm still okay, and I mean, I right. It it's as I was saying earlier. My wife's phone has a better camera than mine has. So okay, but but mine still takes takes pictures, you know, that I that I send out. And, and I'm sure it could be a little bit faster. Um, I, I don't know about the Google Maps thing. I really don't. I don't. I don't use that feature that much in my car. I've got a navigation system, so I, I don't necessarily use it that much. And, and I do. I do appreciate that I'm not updating. I guess I'm getting you know app updates, but maybe I'm not getting the the newest operating system. But I don't know that I'm missing anything. <laughs> I guess that that's the deal. And yeah, you're you're right. I guess I if I switch from my carrier to another, maybe they'll give me one. But then that means I got to. I'm part of this family plan. It means I got to switch my wife's and I got to switch this other thing we have. And it seems like a lot of trouble to go through for a phone that that still still works. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I got an old uh, Samsung 10 or something like that, and it takes uh, email, it takes texts and pictures. Pictures not, might are great, but they not might not be the best resolution of the newer ones, but I don't care. And uh, I'm happy with it. I don't know why I would switch. I have no need to do that. Well, right. Just, see, yeah, that's what I mean. As long as the thing still works and... And and it, it mine does. I I can surf the internet now. Again, I don't use my phone like some people do. I I mean I I'm not this guy that's on the phone all the time. I'm not using it to play games and stuff like that. I use it as a phone and a way to check messages is what I pretty much do and to check the scores on the ball game from time to time if I'm sitting out at a bar and the game's not on. But it, it it's perfectly fine to me. And I guess I'm just I'm still wrestling with this idea of why would I dump something that's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's just like uh, dumping your uh, new uh, unused car that's got like 40,000 miles on it just to get one more new tech feature. Yeah, thanks for the call. Well, that's it. Um, Jeff, if it, it's a phone, if it rings, I answer it. Um, that's it. Um, Jeff, um, let's see. Um, 
it's I, I I love have hearing that you have a a five and exactly how you distance this interested you are on the new features of the other ones. Um, yeah. Um, let's see, Jeff. You can't run um OS iOS fourteen on your phone. All the new apps are designed to run on this. Well. I guess maybe I don't know what I'm missing because it's not like, gee, I'm I'm trying to download something and I'm I'm not able to do it. I mean, I the app I use most nowadays is I use the ballpark app because that's where now that's how the brewers deliver the tickets. I I get my tickets. Um, I get my tickets fine. And again, I'm not I'm not mocking people who decide that they they want to do this. Believe me, I spend stupid money on all sorts of things. I just got a new driver yesterday, picked it up. Okay, so I mean, I spend stupid money on all sorts of things, but it's kind of like. I like I like the phone. Why would I do that? Um Jeff, the thing is eventually hardware becomes outdated for the new software. With Apple products, for, uh, fortunately, they go back farther with models of hardware than the Android does, but eventually the software changes for new hardware and the old hardware just won't function with the new stuff. Um and and I I understand that. I get it the point that at a, at a certain point in time it it's going to be functionally uh, it's not going to work anymore. Although I, I will say this, and somebody makes this point in a, in a text, you know, it, it used to be back in the day, you, you, you'd, you'd buy a refrigerator or you'd buy a washer, or you'd buy a dryer, and the thing would last, you know, 20 years. Now, when you think about it, and again, this is, okay, maybe the phone is seven or eight years old. The, the idea that you have something and it, it essentially, people are saying, oh, pretty soon this is going to be nothing but a brick. It's not going to be functional, even even though it completely and totally works. Um, you know, it's it. Jeff, for the price of the navigation in your car, you could have gotten a new iPhone 12. Yeah, but I wanted the navigation in the car. I, I don't see the need for the new iPhone 12. <laughs> that's the that's the whole situation that's there. I mean, it's and again, I, I had this conversation. Tell me what's in this phone that's got all this great appeal. I mean, how is this going to make my life better? And and yeah, okay, a, a better camera and maybe some faster stuff. Like I say, at some point in time, I recognize that unfortunately, my phone is going to become obsolete and it's going to stop working. And at that point in time, I'll shell out the dough. But until then, I'm keeping the button. Sue in Cedarburg. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Well, if you got kitted, you should see what I get kitted. I have a flip phone, and I think it's probably 20 years old, <laughs> and I love it because I am not a phone person. I have it if I want to call, and I'm calling you on my flip phone, or I can get a message and my grandkids kid me. They say, well, Grandma, we can't get a hold of you if you don't turn on your phone. Well, I don't want to be talking <laughs> on the phone when I'm driving. <laughs> you know, I can I can text if I want, but I don't want to. If we have all these fancy things we need to do, my husband has his phone, and it's got all the bells and whistles, and it's a camera, and, and blah, blah, blah. But we're just not phone people. We're not playing games and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I love my flip phone. Yeah, well, I, I, thanks. I, I, I appreciate that. Jeff, um, you'll get a faster modem, a bigger screen, better battery life, and up-to-date security. Which the, the up-to-date security is the other thing, and, and a better screen. I love the size of the 5S. Yeah, I, I did, but I, I will tell you, okay, so I have this new car. I, I it, it Mine has Bluetooth, so, I mean, I, I've got it coordinated with the car, so I can do all the hands-free stuff. Look, I recognize there's going to be a certain point in time, like I say, where I'm going to have to bite the bullet, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to buy the new one, but I'm I'm holding on. 
I'm holding on right now until there's this really compelling thing. And so far, it hasn't come along. But time and, and, and again, if you want to abuse me, there's many things that I'm very, very guilty of. And if you want to say, hey, Jeff, you're a dinosaur when it comes to these phones, I'll, I'll take it. And I understand that dinosaurs are extinct, but it did. They did wrestle around in the tire in the tar pit for a while. All right. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around.